Amateur Hour. We love this podcast, and this is such prime farming. What an amazing time of year it is as we crawl closer to postseason baseball and college baseball. The national tournament, obviously, the NCAA tournament, regional supers, uh, and of course, the College World Series. My co-host will be there, big part of the content team, certainly on the broadcast. But I think the other thing where we tie this in is the draft, which then the next month goes on. And so that's what this podcast is. And if you're watching, thank you. Certainly, we're glad you're hopped on PGTV and YouTube. But if you're listening, that's really our core uh, geeks. You know, you're our most important people. We've got a great show. Uh, Danny Wexelman, the producer and co-host of this show. Cooper Jerpy, let's start with him. Left-handed pitcher, Oregon State. What I love about him, Danny, is that when he came out of the class of, of 2019, he was the number 79 left-handed pitcher in the country. Number 79, not 79 ranked player, 79 left-handed pitcher. Guys like Hunter Barco were up there up high. Daniel Espino, Quinn Priester, Brendan Malone. Um, those of you that are into prospects know all these high draft pick guys, and Barco's going to be one this year. But it's just a testimony to the developmental tool that is college baseball because he ain't number 79 amongst left-handers anymore. He's going to be a very high draft pick, having one of the best seasons in the country, this lefty. So this is the exciting part of the year. And by the way, when Darren says geeks, he says it with love. We love geeks. We love nerds, especially when it comes to baseball. But now we get to look at the draft board and it's cool because we've talked to a lot of these guys, but there are some that we haven't had a chance to on this podcast, on this podcast, specifically Cooper Jerpy was one of those guys. I've never had a chance to talk to with the season that he's been having where he's out on the draft boards. My favorite thing that he said though, Darren, throughout the entire podcast, I'll give a little teaser was that he didn't expect to be sitting in this seat today. He didn't know if he would get to this point when he was in high school and he talks about what he weighed and, and how small he was. And the dude is, is almost maniacal in the thought and preparation and what he's put into becoming this really high draft pick. So I, I love learning about that and why he chose Oregon state. He's a California kid um, and, and how his dad has influenced him. He played baseball at Cal Poly. I really liked our conversation and he just feels like a, a, a man. He feels pretty mature. And I, I think that you're going to enjoy hearing how he's gotten to this point. Yeah, here, here. And then the next guest that you booked in was Eric Brown. Now, Brown, we knew a little bit more about from his travel ball days, um, you know, with the East Coast Sox. And, and if you don't mind, Danny, I'm just going to I reached out to Joe Caruso, who runs and is the founder of the East Coast Sox. And I said, hey, we're, we're having Eric Brown. Danny got it done. Coastal Carolina got him on the show. Uh, give me a few thoughts on him. And I'm going to go as quickly as I can. OK, folks, bear with me. Uh, his his travel coach, Joe Caruso, said of Eric Brown, one, he made a play in Jupiter without a glove. He did a prep step. He slipped. Glove fell off. Ball came to him. He still caught it. Day one, number two, day one, 17 UWWBA, which you will hear is an event that changed his life, that travel ball event, when Bobby Witt was just the extra hitter because he was coming in tired and I rested him. I told Bobby, Bobby he was going to get Wally pipped because our shortstop was pretty good. That shortstop was Eric Brown. He went out and made three amazing plays, helped save the game in the win. Bobby looked at me and said, this kid can flat out play. Finally, two more. He said he's a devout believer in Jesus, praises God with his attitude and effort. I love how he prayed before every game with his father, before he played in every game. And then he said, and I quote Joe Caruso, who sees thousands of ballplayers throughout his time, I cried when it was his last game in Jupiter. I love that young man. And if you're watching... He actually sent me a picture of the two of them hanging out together from a week ago because he drove up to watch him play college baseball. So that's the guest you got. Now, all the college things he's done, he's like Jerpy. He was ranked deep in the in the rankings, pretty deep, right? Like not really high. And he's going to be a first or second rounder. Again, the developmental tools of Coastal Carolina. Love this kid. I had not had a chance to talk with him again, although he's been around a lot of events. I, this was my first time. And again, he, his name is on the board. I was interested in him. I knew you would be too. And you did some extra digging and it turned out to be an even better story. And it, it, I just think it helps paint the full picture of who Eric Brown is because the kid has a lot going for him, but that wasn't the case 
in high school and you're going to hear the story. It is, it, it hits me really hard because I think when you get rejected, when you're younger, it, it kind of tells you, well, who are you going to be? How are you going to face this adversity? And, and what's your character? What kind of person are you? And you're going to learn everything you need to know about Eric Brown based off how he reacted when adversity faced him when he was in high school. And I, I think that he's ended up exactly at the place he was supposed to end up and look at him now. I think there's probably a couple of schools that wish they had Eric Brown on their team, but he, he tells us a little bit about home. He tells us about his family, about his mom, you know, mother's day, we just passed mother's day um, last week. So I, I really like diving into Eric Brown, not only the, the player, cause the baseball player is impressive. The glove is impressive, but the person is really going to wow you. Yeah. I can't wait to see him Dodger stadium a couple of years from now down the road. Maybe Gavin Lux moves to the outfield. It'll be right there. Long-term deal with Trey Turner. Eric Brown playing middle infield. Come on, Dodgers. Get it done. That's a perfect <laughs> spot in the draft. Also on this show, we're going to have a wonderful conversation through our weekly streaming show, Perfect Game College Baseball. You can find it on YouTube and on Perfect Game TV. Hunter Pence is my co-host. Hunter Pence had a great conversation with this dominating reliever. Perhaps you've heard of Andrew Walters of Miami at the time of the recording of the interview, 26 and two thirds innings, 50 strikeouts, a whole bunch of saves and only four walks, by the way, 50 strikeouts, four walks, a lot of saves. I'm not into saves, but he's got a bunch of them. And uh, Hunter does a great job co-hosting that show with me each week. And then we're going to open up the scouting notebooks and, and Jared Goodwin, you know, PG international is growing like crazy, a massive event in Europe. I'll leave the teaser right there, but Jared will open up his notebook, tell us about some international players that are probably earning college scholarships here in the United States. So that's our show. What is the best place to eat in your great town? When, when I go to Corvallis and they don't travel me anymore, I'll be in Tucson. And I, I know some of the restaurants in Tucson, no offense, you have eight people, but there's some great brew pubs in your city. It's an amazing vibe. What's your go-to place that you love to eat at? I know they pay for your food at some level, but when you're slipping away or parents are paying, What's the restaurant in Corvallis? Uh, it's not really a restaurant, but it's like mainly takeout, but it's local boys, Hawaiian food. And they got a lot of good stuff. They got Hawaiian steak, chicken and rice. And then they have a little Mac salad on the side. And I think it's, I mean, it's the best Hawaiian food I've ever had. So I'd say uh, local boys for sure, or McMinimins on Monroe. They got a lot of good burgers there too. So one of those two, I'd say. What, what do you love most about your community? Because it's different. It's, it's different mm -hmm. than California. Although you get up in Northern California, it's got that vibe. But what do you love most about that community? Because, dude, it to me is that. It is a community. What do you love most about it up there? I think it's just the tight-knit feeling that you have with everyone on campus. Um, you got ties with everyone here. It's, it's not like Los Angeles, UCLA, where last year the campus was, you know, you'd go, you'd drive a mile and it would take 30 minutes. You know, so um, I'd say it's just a tight knit feeling you have with everyone here. And um, it's a small town, obviously, but, you know, everyone. And that's a, a good feeling to have. You know, you're safe and it's it's a fun place to be. And uh, the fan base, obviously, uh, multiple times you've, you've probably heard it before. It's 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 incredible um, coming out to Goss Stadium and you didn't really get to feel it. Or at least I didn't last year because of the, the COVID restrictions and stuff like that. But um, this year it's really been it's it's been fun to pitch in front of that that crowd of people so real real quickly danny if you don't mind yeah, please the, Go ahead. your arm release and i can't wait to call your game here in a couple of weeks but um as a former pitcher myself a little bit um your arm release is always described as unique um what's the advent what's the birth of that what's the genesis of when you kind of went with that you know it's it's a lower three quarters when did you evolve into that comfort zone what age why did it happen i it was as far as i can remember i've always been like that as weird as that sounds, but um, I mean, even from when I was a toddler, my dad was putting the ball in my hands and I'd automatically put it in my left hand. So um, it just came natural to me. It's my natural arm slot. And I, every, like I said, ever since I can remember, I've been throwing it from that arm slot. So I, I mean, it's just natural. You've had good coaches along the way then, because yeah. you know what good coaches do. They, they, they get your comfort spot and encourage you to stay there and then develop you out of there. Go ahead, Danny. Sorry. No, that's great. I mean, I, I wanted to know if the lefty was natural or maybe there was a little bit of influence. I always like to know that because we know parents are sometimes mm -hmm. pushing towards the other hand, right? But 
I did want to go back in the memory bank a little bit to when you were growing up and who is in your life, who is helping you fall in love with the game and, and maybe some of the places or fields that you fell in love with baseball. Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up in a small town of uh, Esparto, California. I mean, 45 minutes West of Sacramento, which is the capital, obviously um, grew up in a small town. Um, thankfully I had loving parents that were taking care of me and, making sure I had the, the capability of playing the game that I love. Um, but I'd say my dad was the main influencer for sure. I mean, he played at Cal Poly for uh, three years as a right-handed pitcher. Um, I mean, he, he was able to put together a batting cage for me at home and stuff like that to make sure I was still um, putting work in, even if I didn't, I mean, he didn't really care if I wanted to do uh, play baseball or not, but if I wanted something like a batting cage, he would, he would be there for me and uh, be there every step of the way. So um, there was even that part of the game and even the mental game as well. Uh, if I had a bad game, he would, you know, have a conversation with me on stuff I, I could talk to him about. So um, just a person I could vent to um, and he was just there for me and same with my mom. So it goes both ways with both of them. So. Yeah. Your dad, Carl, I could imagine there are some pretty unique moments that you two have had throughout, I don't know, the last decade plus and the late nights in the cage and, in, and on the field and messing with gloves and grips and whatnot. Can you maybe let us peek under the curtain a little bit to maybe a couple of the moments that you feel like have been a difference maker for you that have maybe stuck with you and have turned you into the, the man and the pitcher that you are? Yeah. I mean, like I said, my dad was willing to do anything for me and I'm thankful for it. I mean, he was, he was catching my bullpens last fall when we were taking our, our winter break. So um, it's just stuff like that. It's the little things that he did for me that I think took me that extra mile. I mean, um, helping me out with going to driveline this last summer was obviously a huge investment. And I talked about it um, probably a week ago to another guy. I mean, it was, it was just the little things and being able to help me, um, take my career to the, to the next step and doing what I need to do to make sure I get there. So 20 into 21, every athlete went through it, whether you were a junior in high school or in your case, you had just completed, you know, or at least tried to complete parts of your freshman year. Um, what were some of the things that happened 20 into 21 and out on the West coast, things were slow to open, very, very slow to open, but what was the best part of it for you? Why, why were you so good in 21 after 20? Why were you so much better in 22? That's a whole other thing. I'm guessing driveline, but kind of that 20 into 21, all of a sudden you were in the right to take the baseball for this team, 16 starts. Describe what it was like to evolve through the pandemic and, and what was the best part for you? I think it was just the time we had off to communicate and conversate, hang out with the other teammates. Um, obviously, Kevin Abel, Nathan Burns, all alumni, um, from last year, obviously, I mean, getting to talk to them about their routines because Burns pitched um, in the shortened season when we got it canceled in COVID or because of COVID, he was going through started the starter role. Uh, Kevin was, and he was even injured at the time, but I would still pick his brain on what he would do um, from what he did in the past and his accomplishments. So um, definitely just the conversations um, I would have with them about routines, what they would do, not just on game days, but throughout the week as well. And um, I think it was just building the consistency and um, understanding where I needed to develop and being honest with, with my teammates as well. And they were being honest with me on what I needed to work on. And so what I got from that was basically um, becoming more stable, putting on weight um, while still maintaining that mobility and stuff like that. So just making sure I'm staying healthy, um, getting my calories in stuff like that. So everything you need to do to, to be elite at the game, I was trying to, I was trying to do, um, whether that's eating, getting, getting the schoolwork done before a game or something like that to, uh, keep my mind on the field instead of off, off the field. So, um, I'd say that was the main thing in 20, 2021. And, uh, and that year was, was just picking the brain of, of the elders and stuff like that. So, and then going into 2022 in the summer, it was just the same thing, uh, gaining weight, making sure it's good weight, um, keeping that mobility there, making sure I'm aware of what I'm, and efficient in and stuff like that. So um, I got a good image of that through driveline in the summer, obviously. Um, went through a motion capture with the high-speed cameras and all their analytical and uh, technological stuff. So um, after I went through that motion capture, they had me 
um, sit down with their weight, their weight trainer, the pitching guy, the pitching uh, training guy there at uh, driveline. And they just went through a whole spiel of what I was good at good at doing um, during the pitching or during while, while I was throwing a baseball. And then obviously what I was inefficient in and what I could work on um, while I was there for about a month. So wow. got a good idea of what I could do there. And it wasn't even just the, the weight training. It was the routine that I had figured out while I was there throughout that month. Um, like I said, not just on game day, but throughout the seven days leading up to it. So, um, yeah, that was, that was the main thing was driveline for sure. Wow. What an amazing answer. What area of your delivery or your mechanics, um, where did you gain the most efficiency? If you're talking about maybe being inefficient in some areas, where do you feel like you, you know, with their guidance, where do you feel like you gained the most efficiency? I'd say the routine again throughout the week. Um, there was mobility exercises that they would have me do on like a recovery day that would help me. They would help us like correctives for stuff. So I had like pretty bad hip internal rotation in my left hip through um, the drift phase on the mound and stuff like that. Um, just little things that, that I would do for like hip mobility and stuff like that. My lats were pretty tight and I would do like, I would hang off the, off the rack for 15 seconds for two sets and then, um, the list could go on and on for, for mobility stuff, but, um, you know, just staying mobile was the main thing. And then making sure I was still, um, putting on muscle and gaining power as well, power output and stuff like that. So. I, I feel like, I mean, those are such great answers and you're having an, an incredible season. You know, this and the goal, obviously Omaha, we know that already, but what do you set out to do every time you take the mound? to ensure that your team will have success, but it starts with you, right? You, you have to be the one to go out there and take control of that first. And you set, you set the tone. So what do we see from you that, that says, I'm going to help myself succeed, but that means also I get to help my team succeed and reach all the goals that we have. Like, what does that mean for you? I think it's just, I mean, we harp on it a lot here. It's being selfless and putting the team first. Um, the only stat I'm worried about this season is, is the wins, is being in the win column and not the loss column. And un I mean, unfortunately, last week um, got the loss, but um, I felt like I did my part. And that's all you can do at the end of the day. You got to move on and go to the next week. And um, obviously, we're playing Oregon this week. And that's my goal again, is to get the win. And uh, I'm going to do whatever I can do to get the win. Setting the tone, like you said, making sure I'm, I'm instilling that competitive nature into everyone from, from the get-go, from the first pitch and um, first pitch on, just getting out there and competing and do what I can do to help the team win is what, what my goal is. So, If I've never seen you pitch in person, describe what I see. Describe the person, describe the pitches. I know Darren, Darren will probably dive a little deeper, but if I haven't seen you pitch in person, there's probably a lot of people who haven't because of the pandemic and you're about to hit the scene and people are going to see you for the first time. What do we see? Introduce us. It's just pounding the zone. I'm not afraid to go in there and be three to four pitches or less. And that's what I'm focused on this year. Um, I know last year I was, I was trying to strike guys out and usually that doesn't um, end up working out very well, to be honest with you. So um, going in there three or four pitches or less, um, forcing weak contact, throwing off speed in there at any count um, compared to last year where I was mainly just a, a fastball guy. So um, definitely a competitive, a, a competitive guy. I'm not, I'm not afraid of any hitter um, going out there and knowing what, what I'm capable of and pitching to my strengths instead of going in there with a, a scouting report and, and pitching to their weaknesses. I'm going to go in there and fill up the zone. So. Are you getting more comfortable reading swings, reading intent of a hitter as you get older and you deal with it? It's a great conference you play in. You also, you know, have great opportunities to see good players all the time. Are you getting a little bit more comfortable reading hitters and, and kind of exploiting their weaknesses? Yeah, that was the main thing going from freshman year to now was reading the swings and um, kind of calling my own game to an extent. I think when I was a freshman, I didn't really understand that kind of topic. And I kind of had just the, the tunnel vision um, about me and going out there and just trying to just blow it by them and it's kind of been a more methodical um, performance and understanding how they took a certain pitch and a certain count and um, the sequence that we use after that and stuff like that and talking to Dorman about it going through film um, obviously like I said I'm not pitching to their weakness through this like the film that we watch or scouting reports but um, where my strengths can uh, can be an outlier and help me even more 
um, with certain batters. So, Cooper, you know, it's fun. I look back on your graduating class and Hunter Barco went to Florida. Unfortunately, he's going to have to have surgery now. But Daniel Espino was a big name in your class of 19. And Brendan Malone, Quinn Priester, you know, I love those guys. I actually love those guys quite a bit. And um, But it's very interesting because college is a developmental tool, right? I mean, if I'm to look at, and there's nothing wrong with the system, I'm part of it, telling stories of young high schoolers for sure. Um, but college is a developmental tool. Danny and I doing this podcast have seen more and more athletes that were, you know, a guy that was, um, you know, where he was when he graduated to where he is now, where you are now. Did you see this at all? I mean, I'm sure you have confidence, but did you see this at all when you were at Woodland High School that you could be this guy? I knew at the time when I was in high school, I was very underdeveloped. Like I said, I was very skinny and I wasn't um, what, what I am uh, weight wise right now. And the maturity level as well. I mean, going through classes here, it's, it's, it's much more, um, I wouldn't say difficult, but much more time oriented and making sure you're managing your time wisely. Cause you got high school baseball is one thing you're there at the field for a couple hours a day um, for practice and stuff, but college baseball is a, a full-time job basically um going out there whether it's six a.m weights seven a.m weights whatever it might be um and then going out to practice from one to four um getting recovery in um, going to see the trainer if you need any kind of like mobility or rehab stuff um, so i'm gonna be on no i didn't see myself here at the time when i was in high school i, I knew i wasn't ready for professionals but i knew i was gonna work my tail off to be the best player I can be. And I think I'm doing that um, pretty well to, the, to, to where I'm at right now. So. That's a great answer. Yeah, that's a great answer. Um, I mean, my last one, I think is pretty obvious your mustache that you're rocking. Is this going to continue? Is this, is this going to be throughout the postseason? Is this, is it going to get shaved and then restart? What, how does it work? Tell me everything. I, I had the beard going in Utah and that was the first start. I didn't have the mustache. So I can tell you right now, it's, it's probably going to be beyond my face for the rest of the season. So. <laughs> Amazing. Nice. Cooper, thank you so much. Stoked to see what you guys can do the rest of the season, postseason, but we really appreciate your time. A longtime high school coach, then a travel coach, then the founder of a great travel organization, and now the leader of all the scouting for Perfect Game, Jared Goodwin. And, you know, when Ben Ford, who's a senior VP, former major leaguer, opted to grow the sport of baseball internationally, the two of them got together and some other key leaders for Perfect Game got together and they have been all over Europe and very recently had a large showcase. Jared will explain what he saw, where he was, um, but Perfect Game International is growing by leaps and bounds. Huge relationship with Canada, huge relationship with Australia as well. And then, of course, Jared stopping in Europe. Open up your notebook for us, Jared. This is Jared Goodwin, Senior Director of Scouting Ops for Perfect Game USA. I'm just getting back from the Czech Republic where we ran the 2022 East European Classic. Uh, we ran three different levels, 18, 15, and 12. Wanted to touch on a couple of the players from the 18 and 15U level. First player is Jacob Winkler. He had seven hits, five stolen bases uh, for the champion, champions uh, of the 18U division, the Czech team. Um, he is a strong left-handed bat, short, quick, with some strength and contact, utility-type player, but could really find a home behind the plate uh, where the bat is really going to carry. Michael Sindelk um, had five hits, couple doubles, five RBIs for that championship Czech team. Uh, really accurate barrel and, and kind of an exciting player with some versatility there in the lineup. During the showcase portion, 2025 Jonas Krenchik, uh, is a loose, long, left-handed bat, whippy, whippy uh, bottom hand, and real loft potential as he fills out that frame. So it was a, just a really impressive kid during the showcase portion. The 15U, um, a couple Dutch players stood out. Jort Oskram had six hits. He had a triple, seven RBIs. Uh, teammate Amarencio Franca, might have been the best prospect of anybody. Explosive runner, shortstop actions, made a couple plays to the glove side, ranging far to his left, throwing off balance with a different arm angle and getting some outs at first. He was completely impressive and actually had a number of pro scouts there from the States over watching him play this week. So really exciting to see the state side coming over and watching that event. Um, Juan Diego Holman, um, has some international experience. He played for a German, the German 12U team with their federation. 
Uh, good actions at shortstop. He hit 467 on the event, uh, also up to 80 on the mound. Dad actually played um, for the Los Angeles Dodgers in the minor in the minor leagues. Got up to A ball, so kind of some bloodlines there as well. He's a really exciting player, and I would be uh, remiss if I didn't mention Ilya uh, Garin. He's an infielder who hit 364, two stolen bases, two runs, three RBIs, playing for the Ukraine team. So everything going on in Eastern Europe with. Um, the war and politics. The Ukraine team brought a team. They made it to the semifinals of the East European Classic, and it was great to see uh, the youngsters over there competing. And Ilya kind of manned uh, the middle infield and really was a spark plug for that team. Uh, it was a great event. Uh, amazing to see um, all of all of the different prospects over there in Eastern Europe come together and, and really play hard to win a championship. Um, loved uh, having, having me on the show, and uh, thanks for everything. I am going to uh, start things off. Uh, we're excited as we move through the month of May to bring in Eric Brown from Coastal Carolina. And Eric, I want to go back and start. We'll talk baseball. We'll dive in. But I kind of want to go back and take a visit through your hometown. I was wondering if you could kind of introduce us to where you're from and some of the people in your life that we would meet if we went back home with you. Um, I mean, I'm from uh, Bossier City, Louisiana, and people are more like they don't really know Bossier. So like when I say where I'm from, I'm so Shreveport because that's like the main city. I mean. I mean, I don't know, like, like, what's there, like, what do you want to know about like, Shreveport? Or I want you to describe it to me. Describe, describe where you grew up. Describe where you played ball, where you started to fall in love with the game, and and the people, some of the people around you who who were a part of that. Um, I mean, growing up, uh, my dad was in the military, so I mean, I constantly moved around and uh, started. Like, I started off playing baseball, I think, at the age of three, and I started in Alabama. And then we moved from Alabama to, to Georgia and then from Georgia to Louisiana. I got to Louisiana in, uh, I think, 07 or 08. And I started off playing a uh, little league there. And, uh, and then I, I got introduced to one of my, like one of my best friends now. He's, he actually plays at University of New Orleans. Like we, he recently went from a junior college in Mississippi to uh, UNO. And I mean, it's like, it's a small town, but everybody there is like, I don't know. It it's just something special, and it's like very hard to like put into words about the love everybody shares around there, and like it's like a very small town, so everybody knows each other, and everybody has each other's backs, and it's just like you get to see everybody, I guess, grow and kind of go their own way, and it's kind of just like a special thing, like you know, the small town thing. If you go to a small town, everybody knows everybody, and so like back home, I, I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain, you know? No, you're doing a great job. I feel like a, a lot of the guys, you know, some of the pro guys who have also come out of Louisiana or, or Mississippi describe a pretty similar picture and just like you're beaming with pride for where you've come from. And I know you, you've talked about this before, but your dad, Eric, um, you know, you also named Eric and, and the relationship that you guys have, especially with your mom too, that your parents have probably seen you go through a lot of different things coming from Louisiana and out of high school only having one offer but you ended up at Coastal but, but it took a it took a little bit to get there can you walk us through that journey because I think that's important for people to hear too of, of how you actually got to Coastal oh I mean it was, it was actually pretty crazy um I mean going through the whole process it was it was like kind of like oh no am I gonna play college baseball like that was like the big uh, question mark and so like my family and I like we're big followers of Christ, and so like all we we leaned on trust the process and trust in God's timing. And I mean, going into my uh, I want to say my junior year or going into my junior summer, I had one offer, and it was actually to Louisiana Tech. And um, so I was like, all right, I'm gonna play college baseball. And I think the the week before the World Woodbat Tournament. That was my only offer. I had Louisiana Tech, and I called a commit to Louisiana Tech, and they told me to uh, – they just had, like, six recruits come in, and they're like, 
hey, can you wait to the end of the season? Like, uh, we're going to see how much money we have and like kind of like almost like turn me down a little bit. And I was like, all right. So I go into the World Wood Bat Tournament with, I guess, pretty much no offers now. And uh, I ended up having the tournament of my life. I don't like, I couldn't, I couldn't describe it in words of just how grateful and how blessed I am just to go out there and just play extremely well. And Coach Gilmore was, Coach Gilmore was not actually the coach to see me. The, the crazy part about it is that they were actually there to see a pitcher on the other team. And the pitcher is actually on Coastal now. And I think they were there, I think they were there to see Luke Barrow. Uh, I would, I think Luke Barrow on our team now. And they went to watch him pitch and he didn't even pitch. So the pitching coach saw me play and he was like, we got to offer this kid. And so I ended up, we lost on a Friday and I drove down to Coastal on that Friday night, got here about nine o'clock at night. And Coach Gilmore walked me around campus till about one in the morning, just showing, the, showing me and my parents around, just trying to like say, all right, this is this is what we have to offer you. And this is like what we're here. And, and so we uh, and I end up after that, I went to DBU. Like so I was like, I'm going to try to make a decision by Monday. And so I was like, you know, I want to go visit DBU. And so I went to DBU. So we my, my mom, my dad and I drove from Coastal to Dallas Baptist uh, from Saturday morning till Sunday or Sunday morning, pretty much. And so we went on a visit to DBU that Sunday. And uh, I mean, it came down, those uh, those were my last two schools to make the, make the decision. But then, I mean, just the, the way Coach Gilmore made it feel like a home, that's what made me ultimately make the decision to come here. That's an amazing story, Darren, I, your turn, but I mean, that, that hits me just to kind of hear what, what you went through and where you are now. It's interesting too, you know, the high road, right? Right, Eric. I mean, the high road, not everybody drives on it. And in the world of social media, you know, it's an easy thing to send out zingers. You, you took the high road in describing the way Louisiana tech made their decision and you're done with that, right? I love hearing that. I've been down that road a couple of times, my friend, and there's plenty of room for all of us on the high road. That's what's cool about it. But then I kind of go, when you went biblical, so I'll go with you, like it's like a loaves and fishes moment, right? Because you take the high road and you said, I can't describe how well I did. Let me describe how well he did in that tournament with now no offers, right? With now no offers, with Bobby Witt playing next to him, that Bobby Witt, he was (laughs) playing third base. He had 10 hits. He had four walks. He played third base like it was nobody's business. He had an on-base of 484 against the best travel teams in the United States during a time where he had no offers. And then came the two that you traveled to, but you had about a dozen after that. So loaves and fishes moments, certainly. I mean, that drive to Coastal Carolina, that 1 a.m. wrapping up the meeting with Coach Gilmore, if ever you felt like God is good, these are answers to prayers, that had to be right then, yes? Yes, sir. And uh, well, the thing that also ultimately helped my decision was bringing up Joe Caruso. He was uh, right after with DBU and Coastal. Co- uh, Coach Caruso, he asked me, he goes, do you want to go somewhere where you're around like-minded people and grow your faith? Or do you want to go somewhere where you can make a difference? And that was the ultimate decision of, I want to go somewhere where I can help lead people to Christ and help show people that God is the answer and God is the, the creator of all. Amazing. Uh, tell me a little bit about your relationship with Joe Caruso. The travel team folks is the East Coast Sox. I reached out to Joe. I may pull up some of what he said in the text about you here moments ago. But, you know, again, as I said before we started the interview, you're on your way to professional baseball. You hope the College World Series. But that's kind of part of your foundation, that travel ball journey. So tell me a little bit about the East Coast Sox and Joe. I mean, the whole organization as a whole is just an amazing organization, just from Joe Caruso to all the other coaches in the organization. I mean, you have like you have coaches from like uh, JUCOs around there that like take the summer and they take they they take their own time just to help create uh, just an environment where you want to play baseball and not and for a bigger purpose. And so like that's the whole that's their whole like uh, I guess you would say 
what they're trying to do with the whole organization. They're trying to make, allow you to play the game, but for a bigger purpose. And that's, that's the, that's the biggest thing for me is like, what they're doing is bigger than baseball. And if anybody asks, it's like, why do you play the game of baseball? And it like, I love it. And it, like you play the game of baseball for the love of the game, but it, there's also a bigger reason. And that's what the organization does. And I mean, Joe Caruso, as a, as a human being, he is an amazing person. I mean, he, he's always there. I, I, I still call him to this day and just tell him that we have like, com, like just conversations. And like, we have this FCA that uh, me and a few other players on the team. And I just remember the, this one uh, devotion we went about and it was about like, what is uh, one person in your life that has just completely changed your life around? And we had to come up with one person and we all, we all got together and called them after and sent them a text after and like, just to remind them and tell them that they were the person that completely changed our lives around and made us a better person today. And he was the one person that I did call. That's amazing. I, we, I really love to hear those stories. And we talk a lot about the people who are kind of sometimes not seen as much or not heard as much in the, in the path to getting to where we're going. And you have developed so much now who, who is somebody currently, um, at school on your team in your life, who is helping you develop into the ball player that you have become. It's pretty exciting to watch where you are right now. Who is somebody that you could name? I mean, honestly, I could say the whole team pretty much this, this team this year in the past few years, like we all strive to be the best versions of ourselves and we push each other every single day to be the best versions of ourselves. And we want this team to, be able to go to different places and new heights and like we all want to see each other do well so like every day it's like somebody new it's like like one of my one of my best friends he just got here this year Matt McDermott he came here and like he just had this like special like vibe to him and he's like I don't know he's just always happy and he's just like always pushing you to like keep a smile on your face and like when I'm in the infield he's like let's do this play let's make this play and then I my best friend and my roommate Dale Thomas he's he's uh playing third base for us now and he's he's been my he's been my rock and my steady uh hand since I've been at, co- at Coastal and like we've created a bond that can't be broken and so like I would say right now those two right are the most influential in my life that continue to push me every single day here. So it's fair to say you've got a lot of really great influences around you at school, at home, throughout your life in so many different avenues. And, you know, as you look ahead, we're going to look ahead a little bit for someone who hasn't seen you play because the development it has clearly the time has been put in, the work has been put in for someone who hasn't had a chance to see you play in person. What is a big league team? What's a major league team getting from you? What, what's your scouting report on yourself? My scattering report is no one will outwork me. And that's what I will always hold high is that I'm going to outwork every single person and I will not be outworked. Whether I'm feeling good at the ballpark that day, whether I'm feeling terrible at the ballpark. Like as a baseball player, people know that some days you're going to have it, some days you're not. And it's about can you put your head down and work and grind? And my scattering report of myself is that no one will outwork me and I will strive to be the best baseball player ever to play the game. I like, you know, reading the printed word, especially when I get to know you outside of the baseball. I've seen you play a ton in my life and we've, we've bumped into each other many times through the years. But the printed word and then pulling a quote out and having you expound about a great article very recently written about you in which you said you love the game because in part you're a problem solver and baseball is constantly in your mind about solving problems. What's the most recent problem you have solved in your approach, in your mental game? What's the most recent problem you have solved as a baseball player? Um, recently, I would, I would definitely say the, I mean, pretty much the whole, like my whole game, my game as a whole. I mean, I'll be honest, like I started the season off uh, probably the worst I've ever started off, like fielding wise, I had eight errors in the first seven games. And that was just a puzzle of like, 
okay, why am I like making so many errors so frequently? And it was just about, I mean, putting in the work and not, and I guess being more on the aggressive side and I was being a little too passive uh, start to start off the season. And so like, it took me a minute to understand like, all right, you have to be more aggressive. You have to be more aggressive. And so like, I just, I think the puzzle, like that's the physical side, but the puzzle that I really put together was the mental side. And I think that's a puzzle that's never going to be fit, like figured out. And if you just figure it out day by day about the mental side and like try to get better mentally every single day, then I think you'll be fine. Interesting. The other thing that I, that I love, that's a great answer that you said, um, it's I go down this road with so many athletes and a lot of times I will say, hey, do you think about July? Do you think about the draft? Do you think about what might come? Um, and you even said in the article exactly what I say to the to the to the athletes. Hey, be honest with me. You do think about accolades. You do think about possibilities, please. And some will bite. Some will not. You said it in the article. I've realized it's time for me to be where my feet are. It's time for me to embrace the accolades talking about being preseason player of the year in your conference but um that's kind of also having a grateful heart right embracing the accolades yes sir i mean like i am i am beyond blessed to even get the recognition that i'm getting and so like a lot of people say oh you got to act like it's not there you got to act or put it to the side like that shouldn't be on the forefront of your mind but like you have to like understand like this is a failing game and you have to take every positive that you can get. And so like, you're sitting there and you're like, I'm not gonna act like it's there. Like, I'm not gonna act like the draft is here. Like the draft is in the near future. But I, like, like you said, I'm gonna be where my feet are and I'm gonna continue to just be grateful for every single day that I, that I have. It's interesting, sorry, Danny, one more to follow up. And this is okay. more of a ba- baseball-y thing. So you had a game earlier this year against Clemson and you guys won. As a matter of fact, they took three pitchers to get through the first inning. God bless him. I've been on the other side of that before as well, but three to get through the first inning. But for me, that kind of was a, an, an Eric Brown day and what you're going to deal with. In other words, two for two, two walks. You got dotted twice as well. Dude, you were such a pest that day. When you went to bed that night, aside of any bruises you might have had, you must have felt a sense of satisfaction. That's an Eric Brown impact day. Yes, sir. I mean, when... Well, I mean, that was like a perfect day for myself. But like, as, if you look at the whole game as a, as a whole, us as a whole team, we just clicked. Like, no doubt. Yeah, I think I'm, I, was it sixteen runs? Was it was. Sixteen runs that game. I mean, we had home runs hit left and right, and so like, yeah, I went two for two that game, and I got on base every single time. But like, it was a lot easier to do that when everybody else around me was just absolutely lighted it up as well because I think Tyler Johnson hit two home runs which he's having a heck of a year and I just think like when the whole team is just clicking like we were that day and like we have been recently it's a lot easier for you to play as well. D I'm good are you good? Yeah just real quick before we say goodbye let's love on Debbie just a minute we've talked about a lot of influential men in your life let's love on Debbie we'll end it there but um, you know, you have the floor, young Eric Brown. Love on your mom, Debbie, please. Oh, well, I mean, my mom, she is literally my rock. She is literally the reason why I am where I am today. And without her, I would not be even close to the baseball player, the scholar, the follower of Christ that I am without her because she is a continued influence in my life. I am forever, forever grateful for her. Please don't be offended. I don't care for saves, but here's what I care for. 26 and two-thirds innings, 50 strikeouts, four walks. Those are the numbers of Andrew Walters. You won't believe what he and Hunter Pence had to chat about. You knew Hunter would geek out on those dominating numbers, but this guy who dealt with elite closers, late-inning relievers as a major leaguer, my co-host, Hunter Pence, from Perfect Game College Baseball, here's some questions he had for Andrew Walters. You know, the closer is the guy that comes in and says, like, it's over, over, over. And, like, teams are going to fight the hardest in the last inning. So it's it's definitely one of the most fun positions in all of sports and one of my favorite uh, favorites to watch. Andrew, talk to me about what's going through your mind as the game's going on. What's kind of your way of preparing for that huge 
energy, that, that big finish and, and just like, what's kind of the process and the ramp up for you? I mean, we start the game obviously. And we, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm part of the dugout. I love being out there cheering on the guys and right around probably the sixth inning, I got to strap the cleats on and get locked in because whatever happens on throughout there, I'm not, I never hold this team out. I mean, more where they're down or we're ahead, things could happen. So I got to be ready. And when it comes time to get down in the bullpen, get warmed up, I'm ready to go. The team trusts me out there, and I'm coming right after guys. I'm not shy. I'm coming right at them in the zone. I'm challenging you. It's been one of my strengths. So, yeah, basically I'm going right after them as soon as I get out there. So so no spikes until the sixth inning. You're not even – you're just yeah. like – you're just in the dugout like cheering them on. Yeah. Like, part of the team and then you you had to the bullpen in the sixth yeah i'm a full team like, guy i mean I, I don't we don't really if we stay in the dugout there's not really we don't have like a bullpen down there it's kind of outside the field so then on the situation maybe around the six yeah i'm probably going to strap the cleats on and then be ready by the seventh love that love that and then uh you you, you mentioned it you're not shy you're coming at you you're going to challenge so i had to ask you do you like fastballs and what what makes your fastball or what is your intention behind your fastball to to compete? Like what do you what do you want to feel with your fastball when you're going out there? And do you have do you mix and match or are you just fastball location? Yeah, I mean fastball's always been one of my strengths and I feel like just it's played well, really well up in the zone. So mainly I'm not I'm not living low. I mean if I'm gonna if I'm gonna spot up, I'm gonna have to hit that spot, but mainly I'm living Milled up. And that's one of the like things that I just kind of focus on throughout, you know, just going out there. But yeah, most of the time, lot, lots of bad tests have been going up lately, and I feel like a lot of a lot of success has been for me to throw up in the zone. For cool. I mean, just cool stuff. Look, I, I I I don't like to infuse personal life into the stories of these athletes, but I just I love when a young man has the wisdom and the upbringing because it's all part of it. And in his case, the faith to when something negative occurs, not to grab his phone and put people on blast, but to put his head back down and go to work. And in his case, share with family, in his case, pray and really, really work hard. And it was like all the hits that came in that event that followed for Eric Brown. Uh, you know, the offer is like kind of unofficially, I I'm told it was up to 17 offers out of that event. So we went from one to zero to 17 and Think about how different that looks. Sorry, this is the parent to me coming out. If he grabs his phone, if he badmouths people, if he walks around that, walks around that PG event, which is loaded with coaches and scouts and starts yakking and talking, has mommy or daddy call on his behalf, can't believe it. Gosh, I mean, what a great testimony that is. I'll just leave it at that. You know, having been through that journey, you've been through that journey, Danny, professionally, where the rug's kind of pulled out from under you. So you got a choice at that point. You know, the world's going to go on. Baseball's going to go on. There's going to be baseball's going to be played. I love what Eric Brown did. That's kind of my big takeaway. Yeah, attitude is absolutely everything. And if you're ever going to learn a lesson from one of our podcasts, which actually I think that you could learn a lot from the incredible people that we do have on this podcast, not including ourselves, but I think that's probably the biggest lesson is attitude because I know when I'm at those events, I have scouts coming up to me and asking me, hey, what do you know about this kid? Is he a good kid? Is he respectful? Is it like, tell me some of the conversations you've had. I've had scouts do that. And who am I? Like, who am I? But I, I spend a lot of time with these guys and for him to respond in that way and know that he's put in the work. He's a talented guy. He wants to play college baseball and he wasn't so concerned about, well, where am I going to get drafted? How much money am I going to make? You know, what are my followers going to going to look like it's no I want to play this game I'm going to do it where I meant to do it and he took everything that he could control and he's controlling it and everything else he let it go and as you mentioned he let his faith step in and I I just think he's a really great example of how how you should he's a great role model of, of how you should be conducting yourself and and the the forward thinking and and what you can do to help yourself in those really tough situations because as you said there are a lot of a lot of great athletes out there who are going to have experiences close to his or semi close to his, and it's all about how you respond as a person. Absolutely, he he made his own way. He loves Mookie Betts, by the way. That's the swing he emulates. He loves Jose Iglesias, um, the great shortstop who's now with Colorado. But Pretty Mookie, good examples, I think, huh? I think that's key, though. Yes, I think it's key with Mookie because he's got like a two hundred year contract. Mookie Betts does. <laughs> 
So Betts is also going to get to play in the big leagues with Eric Brown with the Dodgers. So I'm very excited about that. Cooper Jerpy, um, great get by you, Danny. Selfishly, I'm going to get to call one of his games here very, very soon on television. So I, I kind of got a nice preview. He in a lot of, you know, mock drafts goes like 16 to the Guardians. Like he goes very, very, very high. That's life-changing money. And um, that's another down-to-earth approach who used that college platform to develop himself. Um, what I loved about it, more baseball is just that funky lower three-quarters delivery where the baseball is like an anvil at home plate. It's so heavy. I just can't wait to see how all this translates up to the next level. Again, very, very middle of the pack in rankings coming out of high school. You ain't there anymore, dude. You ain't there anymore. <laughs> well, we know lefties are always a little more special than righties. And I every article you read about Cooper Jerpy is about his windup, is about his mechanics and where his arm slot is and how he throws the ball. And he's had so much success at Oregon State. But I, I loved him talking about his dad, Carl, who again played at Cal Poly and what his dad did for him and how his dad helped him, you know, setting up the cages. Caught his bullpens over the holidays. Caught his bullpens. Caught his bullpen. That, How's that I thumb mean, feeling, Carl? How's that thumb, <laughs> partner? <laughs> Carl's got to get on the podcast at some point, too, to share that. But, yeah, I, I love to hear about that. I mean, I think that everyone we come across has some person in their life, whether it's family or friends or an uncle or whatever it may be, who's just been that person for them. And it's cool to hear what Carl did because Carl had success, and now he's passing it on to his son. And, by the way, he has a pretty great mustache, too. So I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan, Cooper Jerpy. So um, I'm going to end this podcast by taking the floor and, and just say, listen, celebrate my co-host because she's becoming one of the great voices of college baseball. She's also been up in Bristol hosting shows on a regular with Mike Rooney, who we care about deeply um, surrounding college baseball. So congrats to you, Danny, your evolution's just uh, continuing. Your, your stock is rising and growing and uh, don't forget about us. I mean, when, when you sign that multi-year deal and, you know, don't forget about, you know, use Hunter as your example. Hunter Pence still comes back to us lowly people. So please don't forget about us. I'm not going to let her comment. You can like, you can subscribe. I want you to comment whether you like it or you don't. We don't really care. If, if you don't, please comment and please pass it along and say how terrible it is. But tell everyone else to listen. If you love it, do the same thing. Share it with your pastor. I mean, this has got a little, some nice positive, you know, implications in it. So do it, share it, like it, come back to it you know, resubscribe, unsubscribe, whatever it is. Anyway, amateur hour. Peace.